Hey everyone, and welcome back to my Blackadian universe. Uh, today I'm going to continue my conversation on white privilege back by popular demand. Um, I've had some of my listeners uh, reach out to me and just, you know, ask about uh, my discussion last week um, on white privilege. So yeah, I'm going to expand a little bit on that. So let's talk about it. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode on uh, why we can't be afraid to talk about white privilege, please feel free to go back and listen to that before listening to this episode. So um, basically, you're just talking about my work um, that I do uh, to help my organization become anti-racist. And a lot of we've been going out and talking to um, a bunch of staff and just gathering data on, you know, what we can, what training and whatever else we can do to help them on their journey of being anti-racist. And a lot of times uh, I was just discussing my frustration at, um, and surprise, just frankly surprised that um, a lot of my white uh, colleagues talk about um, how they never even thought about race. And these are grown uh, uh, <laughs> ass people. And um, they, uh, you know, they're like middle aged people, and it just never, uh, they just didn't think about race that much. And um, that's privilege. That's privilege. As a black woman, I have to think about race daily, constantly, um, especially, um, in an organization that's predominantly white, I, um, it's a huge factor for a lot of what I do, um, in my regular work. And, um, you know, I've only felt that I could be my whole self, um, very recently, um, through my work of, you know, talking about race so openly, um, that the conversations I'm having are revolutionary, um, to what was standard, you know, even two, three years ago. Um, I've even talked about just another plug, um, for my episode of I Got Locks. It's, um, you know, I've talked about, you know, I've been a natural, I have natural black hair. Um, so, you know, um, I've had natural black hair now for, you know, over 10 years. And so I've been very comfortable, you know, taking care of my hair, but I felt um, restricted, or I think I restricted myself about um, how I would choose to wear my hairstyle because I do work in a predominantly white space and, you know, getting locks is something that I've always wanted to do, uh, faux locks. And, um, you know, since I've been working from home, uh, during the pandemic, I knew that, um, I wouldn't get people's dirty little paws in my hand, (laughs) in my hair. And, uh, you know, so I, I feel I've been going on a bit of a hair, uh, revolutionary journey just because people are terrified to ask about it. They know enough now to just keep their mouth shut, which I, I have to admit I'm enjoying. So, (laughs) but, um, yeah, so back to white privilege. So this 
idea of not even contemplating race, living your life um, without that lens is a mystery to me. And um, it's been enlightening to me to talk to people and to to believe it. And so um, I know <laughs> um, as a black person, and I know a lot of people of color that, you know, I talk to my friends, when we hear white people say, I don't even see race, you know, I'm colorblind, this whole colorblind mentality. We're honestly, we roll our eyes, we're sick of it, because we know that's a damn lie. (laughs) If you didn't see um, color, then you wouldn't know to cross the street when you saw, you know, a large black man walking towards you, which one of my good friends says happens to him like every single day. Um, you know, I, this man, um, my friend, he talks about how, you know, he has to wear face masks that are very, um, almost kid-like to sort of counteract the threatening look that he gets when he just wears like a plain black face mask which is ridiculous because as a a guy you know a typical guy that's sort of what he would gravitate towards to I think everything he owns is like gray or black but he has to wear you know things with like um oh maple leaves he's like saying he has to get ones with maple leaves that immediately gets him like oh they're like oh he's Canadian you know he just it's like a costume he's putting on to make people more comfortable and so he thinks about race when he gets dressed every morning and I, you know, I tell these stories um, in my work and people are flabbergasted, but they do know. Um, and it does sink in. I can, I love seeing the recognition on their face when they realize that it's the truth. And when people say white people say that they don't see color, um, a lot of it is we as people of color believe that it's not true. But what I've been coming to realize through my work is that it is true. It is true. And because um, they they truly do believe it, they truly do believe that they are colorblind, even though they're not, you know, subconsciously, they are very aware of race and very aware of the belief in their own superiority. Um, but what's interesting uh part of their education on race is that they are very, very subtly taught not to recognize white privilege. That's part of the privilege is the the training to not even recognize that it's there. And that's something that I've uh, come to realize is that so when they do say that, oh, I don't even see um, color, that script of, you know, the lie, um, they believe it as truth and that is so fundamental to their racism so fundamental to the block from learning that uh, from them learning to be unracist that it has to start with them um, you know recognizing that that privilege is there So the power of being able to go through your life and pretend that race isn't um, a big part of your life um, is white privilege. And 
when I explain that to people, it is, uh, for some, uh, defining step in their anti-racist journey. For some people, they're still willing to, um, unwilling to accept that fact. Um, they're angry there. That's, uh, another, another reaction to white privilege is, you know, when it's being challenged, you get, uh, very angry and defensive and, you know, you talk about your own struggles and, uh, you don't want to recognize that privilege. I mean, I, you know, I try to imagine that, uh, what it would be like to be told that, you know, you have privilege when you also have had suffering. Um, so, you know, I, I try and take it with a grain of salt, but I also liken it to like the matrix, <laughs> uh, that, you know, very popular movie, um, where, you know, they're just not willing to accept the programming right now. So they need to live in their little bubble of, um, ignorance of, you know, just wanting to not be pulled into reality to realize that there is a system of control, it's systemic racism that, you know, um, serves them. And so, you know, some people are just not ready yet to have that, <laughs> the pull the plug, um, if you would, to continue with my matrix, um, metaphor. But I, I just think that, um, once you do accept that, it, it's just, it's life changing. And then, um, they're, you know, they're woke, they're woken up to the realities of the world. And, um, I, I feel like it's a very, a very powerful thing. Um, one of the other, um, big, big blocks, uh, in this sort of white privilege, um, construction is the belief of racism being an act rather than a system and and um a lot of um white people believe that you know they don't hate uh people of color they don't hate anybody uh that's different than them they continue to you know you be <laughs> nice to people. I'm just laughing because I was thinking of a uh, barber shop where, you know, um, one of the characters, Eddie, is just like on the <laughs> subway next to this uh, stereotypical, like, you know, white guy. And he just says, you know, sir, I am very nice to black people. It's a, it's a line that me and my friends like... <laughs> use sarcastically all the time. Um, but, uh, it just made me think of that when I say that, you know, they don't go out of their way to hate on anybody. They feel like, you know, they're not being racist. So how is this a problem? How does this affect them? Um, and you know, what the change in thinking has to be with understanding white privilege is that, you know, you benefit from being white, even if you're part of this system that hurts um, black people and people of color, um, even 
it, it, racism isn't just an act it's um it's a structure it's how our um how our society has been constructed to serve white people and actively not serve uh, black people, um, indigenous people, people of color. And that sort of, that shift in thinking for, um, of the difference between, you know, like I am nice to black people to, I am actively working to, undo and dismantle a system that you know only serves me as a white person and um i think that uh it's so important for people to make that shift on their on their journey to being anti-racist um the uh, third and final point that I always um, find very fascinating um, when speaking with, you know, white people is <laughs> this um, very, I want to say, like, it's, it's maddening and unfair and it angers me, but because I'm so used to it, I just say annoying, like it's a very annoying thing that happens where as a person of color you are not seen as an individual you're marginalized you are a represent a representative of your entire race so i represent uh, all black people and you know i talk about this a lot in a working um, in a predominantly white space um i'm often the only black person that um, my colleagues know um, and interact with and um <laughs> it's obvious to me <laughs> that that is the case um and oftentimes i'm you know asked to validate you know the thoughts of every black person in the world um which is uh annoying which is a polite way of saying it very very polite <laughs> and i you know i this is my often a place of work so i can't uh be too cruel and i try not to be generally i try to be nice um especially if um uh, the intention is more innocent uh, versus, you know, when I can tell there's some like microaggressions going on, then then they're going to get the real response that they deserve. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, I just really dislike being a spokesperson for my race. And I mentioned it in my the previous episode of how one of my friends was talking about how you know, the two black exchange students in his class were like the most popular kids in school. And I was like, dude, you ruined their high school experience <laughs> just by putting them on the spot um, for being, you know, your connection to black people and not treating them as individuals. Like that's, you know, that statement alone that they were the most popular kids in school, I tells me everything I need to know about the four years those poor uh, kids spent in that 
white school. Um, but I, so yeah, I often get asked questions about like, why is it that, you know, um, uh, black people don't like it when I want to touch their hair or, you know, why is it okay for, you know, uh, black people to say the N word and, um, you know, like just, you know, these kinds of questions, I'm trying to think of things that I've been asked and, you know, it's not a simple answer. There's, and I, you know, I don't give us, there is no like, you know, one plus one equals two answer to this question. You know, it's, you know, and I say that honestly, I say, you know, some uh, black people do not agree with using the N word. Some people do, you know, we're individuals, other, every people, people have their own reasons to, you know, think what's right and what's wrong, just as white people do. So I, I try and bring it back. Um, you know, in the past, I think I would have tried to be a spokesperson. Um, but I, uh, I, you know, because I do realize that they are asking out of innocence. And honestly, they have no other black people to ask. Um, and I want to help them on their journey. But I will say, Google it, you know, research it. I, obviously, I don't know if they would even feel these are the people, and <laughs> thank God that they don't, but you know, they wouldn't feel comfortable like typing the N word, let alone, you know, saying it. Um, so, you know, I could just say like, um, we're individuals. And I think that's something that I often respond with is just like, oh, well, thank you so much for asking me, you know, what I think as a person of color, but I, and then I'll say, you know, but, you know, someone might feel differently, but that's just what I think. And I just drive that home and I'll, you know, compare it to you, um, you know, what they think. And so that's part of their education as well is just please don't marginalize me. So I, I feel like that's um, one of the the three key things that I, I notice is just um, that those, I think those are like the three pillars. Uh, I guess I'm trying to visualize it. It's like a the pillars that make up the white privilege. And um, it's very encouraging to see that people are thinking about it, having um, conversations about it and sort of stripping it away. Uh, I, I do feel like it's going to be a struggle for some uh, to get over the hurdle of, you know, knowing the difference between not actively harming black people um, is, you know, and then, you know, actively helping black people. I think people struggle with that one, especially... Um, in my workplace, I know, like, um, you know, people were saying, like, oh, you know, the the fear of affirmative action, um, you know, sort of like giving undeserving black people, you know, positions that they don't deserve. Um, and something they don't realize is, you know, and I try to be very diplomatic, but, you know, I've been in conversations where people said like, oh, well, they're just going to give this person a job. Like I have to get passed over because, um, you know, this person is black and is going to get the job. And I want to say, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, you do. Feels pretty terrible, doesn't it? Welcome to the life of a person of color. Um, But (laughs) I try not to say that, but, you know, just that injustice of, you know, a fictional job that he's probably not qualified for. He's just getting so hot and bothered by it. Um, And I, uh, I tell the stories, you know, the individual stories um, about my experience in my career with racism that, you know, people just, you know, are shocked um, that people blatantly um, tell me that I should be happy with the position that I have because, you know, I'm black and I'm a woman. Uh, people are shocked that people have said that to me in my career. And I was like, uh, no, no, that is not okay for you to say. Um, you better sign that pa- those papers. Um, or, you know, I'm giving you my two weeks notice, so I don't really care what you think. I'm taking this new job. I've had people, you know, try and say like, oh, could you like, um, stay longer or whatever? And I'm like, no, I obviously left for a reason. And you're that reason. That question (laughs) is the reason I'm leaving. But, um, you know, so I, I tell people that um, colleagues that have, you know, master's degrees and PhDs are laughed at when they are, you know, um, expressing interest in a job that they are overqualified for. And what's so comical about it is that, you know, they're getting to uppity. They're, you know, these gatekeepers, these white gatekeepers are thinking that they are... Um, you know, some are doing it intentionally and some just because they haven't seen representation before of people of color in these types of jobs think that it's so ridiculous that we would be there. And um, they would never laugh at a white person for, you know, having goals or, um, you know, wanting to advance in their career. They would never think that it was so ludicrous. And it's only because they've never seen it before. Um, And I I feel like that's that that's changing. And it's, it's hard for people. It's hard for, for people. And, um, you know, it's uncomfortable for people to see that in themselves. One of one of the most rewarding things that I have got to witness um, in my time doing my anti-racist work is having people that I was so sure would never change their minds, um, change their minds. And it's been an education for me because 
I have like a zero racist tolerance policy. <laughs> I, 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 when I say, you know, I can't believe people are not thinking about race and, you know, we don't believe that old lie of, you know, I just don't think about race. And, you know, it's a huge step for me to think that, you know, people legitimately think that and they're not just, you know, <laughs> being, you know, big fat liars. Um, <laughs> but uh, what's been so rewarding for me and beneficial for me and an education for me is having somebody witnessing somebody make that switch you know to realize that their anger their um, frustration their um, confusion um, about how they benefit or you know how they're not actively harming uh, black people isn't enough and that you know they do benefit that they can see it everywhere now they can start seeing the privilege everywhere um, and then they come back to these sessions they sign up for events that we're having um, and I see their names and when you know they we call upon them and they participate and they say like you know, oh, I'm, you know, afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing, but I, I just saw like, you know, this thing, or I just noticed this thing, or someone, one of my colleagues mentioned this, and it made me realize that they were, um, you know, speaking to me as though I would agree with them because, you know, we were both white, you know, they came to me with that. And to see those people um, have that shift and knowing that they're starting this journey and they're starting to see those things, I get so encouraged because I, I know that it's hard to turn off, um, that something has, you know, I, I've helped open their eyes and it's just, um, you know, they're going to say something next time. They are in they're going to use their white privilege for good you know they're gonna speak up next time that their friends uh do something that is racist and they're gonna say you know wait a minute you know and maybe they're gonna continue that chain along so to open more people's eyes and that just gets me so excited and you know even on the worst days when i hear the most racist crap um i have to remember that um, I can change someone's mind. I can change someone's mind. So if you're listening to this um, and you're listening to it because uh, you thought, you know, this is going to be a bunch of crap or, you know, I'm going to leave a mean message. I hope that uh, <laughs> you can, you've, you know, learned something and you uh, realize that there is white privilege and, you know, you're going to start your journey on being anti-racist. So, um, and, you know, if you're a person of color and you're listening to this, um, I hope I gave you some hope that, you know, people can change, that minds can be changed. And um, it's happening. It's happening all over the world. And, you know, racism is uh, no longer being tolerated at all levels of many organizations. And, um, change is coming and it's a beautiful thing so 
Thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next time.